I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. It's the National Championship preview edition of the podcast, LSU Clemson, Monday night in New Orleans from Mercedes-Benz Superdome at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Go 24-7 and 24-7 Sports will have you covered all the way through the beginning of all the media festivities as LSU will travel over on Friday. Uh, we'll have traveled already over on Friday to New Orleans, and then they've gone through media day on Saturday and then the head coaches' press conferences on Sunday with Ed Ogeron and Dabo Sweeney. And then the game, of course, the lead-up on Monday in the Crescent City is going to be unbelievable as uh, everyone's flocking to New Orleans for this national championship game as LSU is going to try to uh, win its first national championship since 2008. I'm Billy Embody. Joining me now, Sonny Ship, Shea Dixon. Uh, let's start with Sonny, man. Uh, you ready for uh, this national championship game? Oh, well, Bill, I'll tell you what, man. After uh, after having to live, in, live through uh, the 2012 BCS championship that capped off the 11 campaign and LSU never crossed midfield against Alabama. It's been a long time coming, uh, you know, been a long time coming to see the Tigers back in the Superdome. More importantly, you know, going for the biggest trophy of all, you know, to hoist that trophy up in the air. And, uh, you know, just uh, it's been a remarkable season, a dream season. We've talked about that, not to beat a dead horse, but when you, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned this on several radio shows that I've done outside of uh, Louisiana and always, you know, take it to where you take the season, you take the storylines of Ed Orgeron, of Joe Burrow, of, uh, of, of guys getting hurt, of just the, all of the records that they've broken, and you put it all into one pot, man, and you just got probably the most glorious pot of gumbo ever. <laughs> that's a great way to put it all the all the cajun in louisiana uh lingo and, and certainly all the the metaphors are being made around this one shady uh i'm looking forward to having some gumbo some oysters all of those things in new orleans this weekend oh absolutely we'll be down there rocking it i was there in uh in 07 which was enjoyable uh and as sunny alluded to in uh 11 it was not enjoyable and uh, when you're sitting up in the press box you have the worst seat in the Superdome and having to work while uh, everyone was just mad uh, in person and online and, and anywhere. But I uh, look, I'm excited for this one because if you think back on when Dabo really, you know, he circled the turning point for that Clemson program uh, is when Tosh Boyd and those guys beat uh, LSU in, in the Peach Bowl. I guess that was what, 2012, the, the following year after the national championship. Um, and LSU was up, and then they came back on Mettenberger and all those guys and, uh, and won. And since then, Clemson's been on uh, a pretty obvious tear, and they've got a 29-game win streak. And really, if they win this game, I think a lot of people <clears throat> would consider them to be, you know, the dynasty of the modern era and not so much Alabama anymore. But uh, for LSU, which is what the folks listening care about, uh, this is LSU's chance to kind of turn a corner. And, and ironically enough, much like Clemson did, 
by beating LSU. LSU's got a shot to beat Clemson and win a national championship and kind of really reassert themselves uh, into that conversation with Bama and Clemson and uh, Ohio State, teams that have pretty consistently uh, been in the finals and, and in the playoffs the past few years. So I'm excited for it. It should be a good time. I know everybody on the board has been pumped, and uh, certainly everybody listening to this is excited to, to either get down there or to settle in and watch it on Monday. Yeah, no doubt. We're going to have a, quite the time with this one. And and look, you mentioned Dynasty. You mentioned that that 29-game winning streak for Clemson. Their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, has never lost as a, as a starter. And uh, he is one of the reasons why I think this matchup is going to be this this just I think I think we're in for a real treat of a college football game on Monday with Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner, facing off against Trevor Lawrence, two potential number one NFL draft picks uh, overall taking the field head to head. For me, it doesn't really get any better than this from a quarterback perspective, Sonny. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think when you I think when you look at it, obviously, the first thing that jumps out at you is the stats. Trevor Lawrence, you know, hitting, uh, I, I think it's 67 percent of his passes. Joe Burrow hovering around anywhere from that 77 to 78 mark for for much of the season. So you've got two accurate passers. You've got outstanding receivers on the outside. Justin Ross and uh, T. Higgins for uh, for Clemson, obviously the trio for LSU, and so each quarterback has a has just a lot of weapons to go to, and you know I think it's going to boil down to which and like it does in a lot of these games, which offensive line does the best job of keeping the defensive line out of the uh, out of the backfield because we've seen Joe Burrow sidestep pressure all season long by time we've seen the offensive line give him enormous amounts of time against georgia against oklahoma and and so on and so which quarterback is able to sit back there and and have time to find his receivers is obviously going to be be huge but i think another big factor in a game like this is when you have teams that you have 14 games on tape that your opponent can look at. You've got to try to come up with something new, something that maybe that they don't have a lot of, of, of looks at, something that a new wrinkle, so to speak. And I think each quarterback can can give the opposing defense a lot of trouble with their legs. We've seen Joe Burrow make big plays with his legs when he's, when he's had to. We saw Trevor Lawrence have a career game against Ohio State with 107 yards on 16 carries and that 67-yard touchdown run late in the first half that really gave Clemson a jolt going into the locker room and so I think I I I think whichever quarterback is able to I think both of them are going to make the plays with their arms but I think whichever quarterback is able to make the plays in other areas that are kind of flying under the radar I think that's the one that's going to have the best chance to win I'm most curious in this one just about how Lawrence rises to the occasion, which sounds so weird to say, because like you said, he's never lost a college game. The only time he's been through a college season, he won a national championship. But I almost feel like, and maybe it's just because we're on the LSU side, but there's a bit of of pressure on Lawrence to be the one uh, who really performs and keeps up with uh, the LSU offense, which uh, not to discredit anything that Lawrence has done um, through his college career, but last year's team and this year's team uh, obviously, we're quite different. I think last year, Justin Ross snuck up on a lot of people. This year, that wasn't the case. 
Uh, and we've seen them struggle in spots. Look, and, and the North Carolina game is the one everyone's going to circle. But there was a stretch where Lawrence wasn't playing incredibly well uh, and guys weren't catching passes. It just didn't seem like they were on the same page. We haven't really seen that at all from Burrow and them. So I think there's really no reason for me to believe that Burrow isn't completely dialed in, that this isn't a game that uh, as what <clears throat> a fifth-year senior uh, he wants very badly. Um, we've seen kind of as the season go on, even with uh, as more and more teams see what LSU is going to do offensively, they just put up bigger and bigger numbers. So after a seven-touchdown first half, now look, Oklahoma's defense sucked, and they were already down a few guys. Uh, and then Radley Howells got kicked out of the game. Like, I get that they're nowhere near what Clemson's defense or Ohio State's defenses uh, are and, and are going to be uh, for Clemson in this game. But I still think that Joe Burrow, it's going to – Joe Burrow and this offense will click enough to where it's really going to be on Trevor Lawrence to to make that big jump. And I think that, look, if, if LSU wins, they're going to be talking about how it's the biggest, maybe one of the best teams of all time, at least uh, offensively. Uh, if they go and, and undefeated and win a championship. And if Clemson wins, they'll be talked about as a dynasty, but Lawrence will be talked about as one of the best college quarterbacks to play the game, given he dethroned this LSU offense, uh, or at least outpaced them, uh, that it set all these records. And then it would mean, what, 30 games in a row they've won. He'd gone two full years, never lost a game, and won two national championships. So I think both these quarterbacks have so much on the line in terms of kind of what they're, uh, their mark is really in college football. And, and for me, I give the edge because of how he's played and, and maybe even because of his age uh, to Burrow. Yeah, and the, the thing about this one, too, is, is that these quarterbacks aren't just back there throwing it around to these receivers. They've got two really high-quality running backs with them in Travis Etienne for Clemson and Clyde Edwards-Elair for LSU. Clyde, of course, going to be 100%, is 100%. We saw him got a he got a little bit of action against Oklahoma, and then they really said, "Okay, all right, we don't need him. Let's shut it down, keep him healthy." That was the right decision, but you kind of saw a little bit of that explosiveness come back on that run for him uh, against Oklahoma, and then, like, like I said, they they shut him down for Travis Etienne. He was very uh, reserved, which is not normally his personality uh, with the media this week. Uh, in Clemson for their for their media day and and so you can tell he's motivated by what really was a, kind of a snub from LSU and in, in recruiting him and coming in late and everybody by now probably knows the story of of LSU you know trying to come in on Travis Etienne late uh, they were just a little bit later than Clemson and had gone after Cam Akers and it all fell apart but for me Travis Etienne is is somebody that I think even more so than Clyde in a way can really dictate how much success Clemson's going to have offensively because if they're able to get him the ball and he's able to have some room to run, they get him involved in the passing game. Like Sonny mentioned earlier, he's somebody that can really open things up for Clemson, and this could get into shootout territory, uh, Shay. You know, I think it, it certainly could. And, look, we'll talk more about kind of our keys to the game and, uh, and and spoiler alert, and I'll say why even more so in a bit. But I think Clyde is one of them. And I think if you were to ask for Clemson's opinion, they would say Etienne's one of them. And uh, even in the Ohio State game, you saw at times where they completely bottled him up. And then if you give him <clears> – <throat> excuse me, if he doesn't get touched at the line, he's gone. Like to the, the second level is not an option. You better be chasing him down. Uh, after that at some point because uh, he can put his foot in the ground and just go. So 
LSU really has to keep him in check, but I just go back to what Clyde has done all season, really, guys, as a blocker, as a, as a pass catcher, which I think has been really key, and, and certainly as a runner and how deceptive he is uh, among there, at least up there, uh, among the tops in the country, if not number one, I'd have to check, uh, of missed tackles on, on first attempt. I mean, that spin move or his cut moves are, are pretty special. So I think with him coming off not playing, or I guess what, he got a couple of snaps in that semifinal game, but being healthy again, uh, I think he'll really be out for it, much like Etienne will be. And maybe, and I still think we'll see uh, these quarterbacks do their thing and throw the ball all over the yard, but uh, I am with y'all and just the overall sense of feeling of these running backs are going to be involved in this game to the point where uh, whichever one of them kind of has the really big night, it, it could really swing things. Yeah, and I don't think there's I, I don't think there's any way. Yeah, I think Travis Etienne has to have a big game for Clemson. He's got sixteen hundred fifty eight yards coming in. Um, you know, coming off coming off a game to where he 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 really you you know he really factored in as a receiver. And you know, you look at this, and all you hear about is well, you know, uh, you know LSU's run defense has has given up some big you know had some bad games. Yeah, they gave up the four hundred two yards against Ole Miss in the middle of no uh, middle of November. But since then, they're out. They're only giving up 86 yards of contest, and they've held two number four teams in the country to 61 and 97 yards, respectively, in Georgia and Oklahoma. So, I think the LSU defense is going to be dialed in. But I think Clemson has to find a way. Ha, has to find a way more so than LSU does of, with Edwards Hilaire of getting ATN involved. They have to get him involved. He has to. He has to give Trevor Lawrence some help because we've seen Joe Burrow be able to, uh, you know, to put the team on his back and throw for almost 500 yards this season. You know, we haven't seen that from Trevor Lawrence. Yet, can he do it? Probably so. But he doesn't have as many weapons surrounding him as Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow has two receivers with 18 touchdowns apiece. You know, both of them are tied for the SEC record in a single season. Terrace Marshall has 12 touchdowns, even though he's missed uh, three games. Thaddeus Moss setter is now holds the records for the most receptions and yards for a tight end in school history. Not to mention Edwards Hilaire, who is one reception away from breaking Gary James' record as the number one uh, receiver uh, for a running back in school history. So when you when you look at that, I mean Burrow just has so many weapons around him to where I think I think I think Clemson could could uh, could keep Edwards Hilaire in check as a running back. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep him in check as a receiver. We haven't seen any receiver, any any linebacker, be able to go out wide when they push Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out to the boundary and to be able to hang with him this year. Now, Isaiah Simmons, 6'4", 230 pounds for Clemson, I think he is probably – if you're going to draw up a linebacker that could handle Edwards Hilaire in in, in the, on those uh, passing route, then it it's probably going to be Isaiah Simmons, and I don't think there's anyone else outside of him. He's got safety speed. He leads Clemson in tackles for loss and sacks. He's number two in tackles number two in interceptions with three. So he's a guy that Brent Venables is going to line up on all three levels of the defense. They'll put him on the line. They'll put him at the second level with linebackers. They'll drop him back deep in the secondary. And I think he's a guy that wherever Edward Solaire goes, that, that Simmons needs to be there to be able to, uh, you know, to have a chance of, of shutting him down. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And for both offenses, they did suffer some injuries 
in their respective college football playoff semifinal games with LSU seeing Terrace Marshall go down with a little bit of a stinger is the word that we got. And then right guard Damian Lewis went down as well. So those two guys, what was their status? We found out this week that they're good to go. Ed Ogeron said that he expects them to play on Monday night. Both went through practice both times when we were able to be in there in Baton Rouge to take it all in. And so you've got those guys back for LSU. And then Clemson's two standout receivers, Justin Ross and T. Higgins, both said that they're healthy and ready to go for this game uh, as well. So both teams going into this one really healthy. I think that's one. That's how you want it. I, I think when you anytime you have a game like this, you don't want to be saying, oh, well, this team just lost five starters in the in, in a semifinal game or what have you. I want to see it settled on the field, best on best, all those things. I think we're going to get that on Monday night from what it sounds like. Another thing that you're going to get if you subscribe with Code 24-7 is you're going to get for just $1, two months for just the price of that $1. So subscribe to Go 24-7 for all the latest on the national championship game. We're in New Orleans. We've got you guys covered. We're rolling out recruiting updates from the uh, – national underclassmen combine and as well as some key targets that are updating their official visits so we've got recruiting stuff to, for you guys to gnaw on as well check that out and uh with that though we're going to go into a quick break and on the other side of it we're going to break down a little bit of how brent venables could try to slow down joe burrow in this lsu offense maybe a little bit of how dave Arianda might try to uh, stop trevor lawrence we're gonna do that come at you with some X factors and predictions as well. We'll do that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Billy Ambody here with Shay Dixon and Sonny Ship. Guys, Brent Venables is one of the best defensive minds in college football, just like Dave Aranda. There's a reason why 
they get paid millions of dollars. And this is the type of game where you make yourself a a little bit extra money, I think, in in your next round of contract negotiations. But really show why you are worth every penny that these two schools pay their respective defensive coordinators. Let's start with Brent Venables because I think he's got probably the toughest task uh, of anyone that uh, has has played in a national championship game from from a perspective of this. LSU's offense has just flat out not been stopped. Auburn's the only school to really slow them down throughout the year on the scoreboard. LSU still had about 600 yards of total offense. But overall, Brent Venables is is tasked with this uh, problem for for Clemson that is just that no one has really been able to solve. And, Sonny, you did did a piece where, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dave Aranda's uh, losing sleep, uh, you know, uh, at night. But uh, I think Brent Venables is the one that uh, is really – really losing some sleep uh, as a national championship game gets closer. Yeah. And, and I, I think Brent Venables is going to earn every penny of that $2.2 million annual salary that he makes, which is, uh, you know, second to only Dave Aranda's 2.5 as far as the, uh, the highest paid defensive coordinators in college football. But he's got a, uh, you know, he, he's got a, I don't think anyone would like to draw the task that he is facing right here because he's on the biggest stage of all. If he doesn't stop LSU and LSU goes on to win the national championship, he's going to have to sit on that for eight long, for you know, almost nine long months until the new season rolls around. And there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be the talk of, oh, is Brent Venables worth the two point two million? Well, I think his, I think over the longevity of his career, he's shown that he is one of the top coordinators in college football but what's he going to do to slow down this lsu uh this lsu offense is he going to go to uh to more three-man fronts ohio state is the only team that has gone for more than uh 400 yards or actually uh i want to say maybe 300 yards against clemson this year uh total offense um, only one team has gone over 400 yards and that was ohio state and so when you look at it Ohio State had success running the ball. J.K. Dobbins had, uh, you know, almost 170 yards rushing the ball. He had six catches for just under 50 yards. So he did it both ways. But the second half is a totally different story. Clemson, Clemson stepped up in the second half. Venables went with more three-man fronts. He dropped guys back into coverage. Did a lot more disguising. Uh, I. Th- think he realized that he wasn't able to just man up with that Ohio State offense and just go tit for tat. But I think with LSU, you've got to do that out of the gates. Uh, Ohio State jumped up 16, jumped up 16 to nothing. When LSU jumps up on opponents, they jump up 28 to nothing. You know, Ohio State had to settle for field goals. Well, we've only seen one game where LSU really had to settle for field goals, and that was against Auburn. So if LSU is, is able to score in the red zone, and they're able to 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 run their offense like they have all year long, then you know, Venables won't have time to make adjustments in the second half. Yeah, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to make those adjustments in the first half and really start making adjustments even going in with his game plan. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how he is able to uh, you know, how he is able to combat Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady's offense. And like Ed Orgeron said when he was on uh, championship drive earlier uh, earlier during the uh you know the pregame festivities and he said that you know this is going to be a great chess match you have best on best you've got the the nation's highest ranked uh offense 
number one scoring offense against the number one scoring defense, the number one pass defense. I mean, it's really just a matchup made in heaven for, you know, for stat geeks like me. You know, I think the one thing that they're going to do, y'all mentioned Kevin, the, the Auburn game, I think without a doubt until now, and, and you know, Venables is obviously getting paid that much for a reason, but <clears throat> the best defensive coordinator they've played this year was Kevin Steele. I mean, he's got a track record of it and pretty much everywhere he's been, he's found success, even at LSU. So uh, I think you look back at that game and wonder, okay, well, what did he do? Well, he put so many extra DBs on the field uh, to try to really give uh, Burrow the toughest time possible in terms of uh, not having guys running wide open, finding uh, exactly maybe where the soft spot in the zone was or whatever it might be if, if they're in man. But I think that they'll look at that game and, what, Clemson's going to want to play their two linebackers, obviously. They've got a few of them that are talented, but they stack their linebackers in that Auburn game. They would kind of hide that safety right behind them uh, and then just have pretty much DBs everywhere else. Now, granted, Auburn could do that with a put three down linemen down there and rotate a guy in and out, and they would absolutely destroy you still. Clemson normally has that D-line. I don't think that they do this year. The past two NFL drafts have really – uh, kind of soaked up uh, all of their extremely talented older pass rushers. So in that regard, I am super interested to see uh, what Venables does because they haven't played a lot of, uh, you know, four corners on the field at a time or even three uh, much. I mean, this has been a, a defense, as Anna Hickey talked about this week, uh, in our Q&As and in our podcast, she covers Clemson. Uh, she thinks this will be the first time that they go with kind of those you know, overload of, of defensive backs on the field. Uh, and Kirk Herbstreet said much of the same, though at the time he had not met with Venables yet. So uh, he was kind of just guessing. And, and obviously he'll reveal on the broadcast kind of what their mindset is going into the game. But uh, I do. I think that out of all the things I'm really curious about is, uh, is kind of how does Clemson come out and defend LSU from the start? Because those guys have said really all year that starting about at the midway point, they had ne- every time they'd play a team, they would show something or, or do something that they hadn't done yet, and they would have to make some in-game adjustments. So uh, I'm curious what uh, kind of from the start, that first quarter, uh, how is Venables trying to defend this LSU offense? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to figure out. Well, not to figure out, but to see what Brent Venables comes out with. Because I do, I personally, and, and he has a lot of experience with this in the Big 12, uh, having you know watched a lot of these air raid and – uh, you know, just high flying offenses in the Big Twelve. You know, a little bit more defense optional in that in that league, but uh, he he's familiar with it. I mean, seeing this amount of, of, of spread offenses and things like that, so I'm I'm interested to see what he's going to do. Dave Aranda, his defense is healthy. How do they respond after um, uh, you know a, a really dominant last two games, uh, especially with playing Georgia and Oklahoma uh, um, and, and in the Peach Bowl. How, how they were able to limit Jalen Hurts. And look, Jalen Hurts isn't Trevor Lawrence, but LSU has been able to really put together a strong defensive stand as of late. And I think for me, as we get into X factors here, Jacoby Stevens is somebody that as, as Dave Aranda plays with all of his chess pieces that he's got, and he's got to figure out how to stop Trevor Lawrence. He also has Jacoby Stevens in that role where you can roll him down into the box you can. He's athletic enough to, to really match up with somebody like Travis Etienne or 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 anything like that or, or or some guys like that. And I think he's kind of the key defender to watch in this game because 
look, you can point to Caleb on Chasson. Can he get off the edge? Grant Delbert, can he make some Thorpe Award winner plays? Can can Derek Singley shut down T. Higgins or Justin Ross, whoever they uh, match up with? They, they'll stick them on stick uh, Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton on their respective sides of the field. But uh, I think for me, Jacoby Stevens is somebody that has really come on strong, and, and I've got him as, as my X factor. Yeah, I'm jumping over to the other side of the ball, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Thaddeus Moss. I'm looking at what he did against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Oklahoma tried to – they didn't have to worry about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but they did have to worry about LSU's three receivers that are – you know, it's, it's the number one group in the country when you look at, at what they've accomplished this year. So I think I think Brent Venables is going to pay a lot of attention to to those three. I think he's going to try to neutralize Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And to do that, he's going to have to show him a little more attention. And I just think that that's going to open up Thaddeus Moss for some for some big plays. I think it's going to open up him. It's going to give him opportunities in the open field, especially the middle of the field where Joe Burrow has has worked you know, as well as as well as we've ever seen an LSU quarterback work the middle of the field. And so for me, I think that he's going to be the odd man out, being that the odd man that Clemson just you can't cover all of them. You can't cover all of them. Try to muster some pressure. Try to get, you know, try to force Burrow to make quick throws that someone is going to have to to draw less of an emphasis than others. And I just think that's going to be Thaddeus Moss by default. You know, I'm going back to what I hinted at uh, prior to the break is that uh, I think it's Clyde Edwards Elair and we've already talked about him. Everybody knows the, what he brings to the table, but, and I'm, we obviously should also preface this by saying like at like week two of the season, we decided on the pod each week that we couldn't choose Joe Burrow as an X factor. So I don't want to like gloss over that, but uh, I choose Edward Zelaer, and I know these. I'm not taking anything away from these receivers, who I think are obvious game changers. I think Jefferson showed up to the the Peach Bowl pissed off that um, you know he didn't he wasn't a Blitnikoff finalist. He wasn't a first team All SEC or first team All American, and he drops four touchdowns, and now he leads the NCAA uh, in touchdowns tied with Jamar Chase. So, look, those guys are the real deal. But if you've got that clicking, and you've got Edward Zelaer, which is sort of similar to what Sonny's saying with Moss then it's just so difficult to hone in on this LSU offense because you're going to say, okay, well, let's stop um, the run. Okay, well, then we're going to throw it all in. We'll throw it all over you. Okay, well, let's uh, try to stop the pass, and, and we'll put all these DBs out there, and then Clyde runs all over you. He had a really good Auburn game. So I think he's sort of an X factor in a variety of ways for me with how this game could go. And uh, the fact that he is healthy, um, I think, is paramount. And uh, I figure for him uh, to be pretty involved, whether – how it reads on the stat sheet, I'm not sure, but I think he'll be out there, um, you know, 80% of the snaps. Good stuff, guys, on the X Factors. And look, it's, it's, I think we've riffed long enough about this one, and we're going to be talking about this one for a long, long time. And uh, I, I think we're going to get our predictions right. We'll see. But uh, LSU, I've got LSU in this one. I, I kind of wrestle back and forth with how I'm going to go on the score. Uh, I, I still think. And, and been asked this as well. Sonny mentioned, you know, his radio appearances. Everybody wants to know uh, how LSU, uh, how Joe Burrow is going to play. Is he going to have an off day? Are they going to, you know, maybe not score as many points than as they usually do? And I'm, I'm going with with LSU 48, 31. I just think that's that's going to be that 
you know, near the 50, 50 point mark that, that they're going to be able to rack up on Clemson and, and no disrespect to Brent Venables, but we're, we're seeing one of the best college quarterbacks ever to do it, and especially in a single season. And, and so uh, I've got LSU 48-31. I don't know what I'm going to go with in the regard there, or in the sense that I'm with you, Billy. I feel like I've gone so back and forth over if I'm leaning towards, and I don't think it's a big game in the 20s, but am I predicting, um, you know, 36-31 or, you know, 34-28 type of game? And it's just tough for me to think that in New Orleans in the final game of the year where you don't have anything left, to, not that LSU's hiding things offensively, but you don't have to worry about anything. Throw everything out there because of that. Uh, certainly, I think it gets into the 40s for LSU. Uh, if I'm being fair, and, and I've only doubted them once, and it was in the preseason when I said they would lose to Bama and uh, and win the rest of the games, and, and obviously they got that game done. So I'm not going to pick them to lose, and, and I think it could be similar to what Billy said. I will go. Um, let's do a 48 uh, to 35 uh, total for me. That's that's what I'm rocking with. I'm right there with y'all. Uh, in the Georgia game and in the Oklahoma game, I kept trying to look for to look for reasons that that Georgia could make it close, that Oklahoma could make it close, and I really couldn't I really couldn't find those reasons. But at some point, I kept saying like, okay, you know, is this a game where LSU is just not clicking? You know, they're playing the number four team in the country. You know, each time. But they ended up routing both of them. And with this one right here, I'm, I don't find myself trying to find a reason that Clemson can hang with LSU. Obviously, 14 and those speaks for itself. 29 straight wins. But I think Trevor Lawrence, I think Trevor Lawrence has has the weapons around him to uh, to score against LSU. And I think, you know, my question is on the defensive side. Can Brent Venables, can he come up with that plan to stop LSU? And I don't think he can. I do think Clemson, I do think Clemson scores points. And, uh, you know, but I think LSU, and I do think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a game that goes into the fourth quarter. But I, you know, like LSU did against Texas, like they did against Florida, I think that this is a game to where when when they really need that score, when it's crunch time and they need one to step up, Joe Burrow steps up and like he's done all year, he 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 throws that final dart that that someone takes to the house. And so I'm going LSU 45 34. Oh, that final dart, Sonny. Are you thinking this is like a Texas game here? I you know, I am kind of thinking that. I I I I'm thinking I'm thinking that it's going to be that this is going to be that game that you know we had the Texas game but outside of that there wasn't really a, a you know another game except for maybe Florida to where you were kind of sitting on pins and needles wondering like okay you know is you know this one is a turnover here going to cause it or a turnover here or you know in in Auburn as well because we did see the turnover change the complexion of the game but uh you know I do think that Clemson's going to score and, and I think that you know going into halftime it's going to be one of those games to where if you're an LSU fan and you smoke you're going to want to be you want to go hit the exits and see if you can grab a couple of drags before the second half kicks off. And if you're at home, you're probably going to go through about two or three packs. <laughs> so, so wait, I'm not trying to get off on a tangent. We're wrapping it up here, but am I in the minority here? Then we've talked about all these games that have been tough or what we're close. I mean, Bama was the toughest team they played this season. Am I wrong? I think so. I think Bama was the toughest team that they played this season, 
But I also think that if you take out that 80 yard, that 80 yard touchdown strike, you know, from Tua to Devonta Smith when LSU was, you know, for some ungodly reason playing up man press coverage when when the score was kind of in hand, you know, I think that I think that LSU that LSU went that that win looks a lot more impressive than it did of just going to Tuscaloosa and beating Bama, which is a, which is a tough feat within itself. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that I do think that the, that the Bama game was, it's, was its toughest of the season, but at the same time, I also don't think that game was as close as it was really was. I think Bama See, fans I, would argue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say if Tua wouldn't have fumbled, then maybe that game would have uh, true, been different. true, true, true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get smoked online by anybody from Alabama that listens to this, but I, I think Auburn was their toughest game. That was just like, I, I don't know for what I, LSU and yes, the, the Bama game could have gone differently if Tua doesn't fumble on that opening drive. But in terms of difficulty, I, I just, I thought L, Auburn gave LSU everything it can handle. And, you know, you talked about if, ifs and buts and all that. If, if Auburn had a, a quarterback who was, you know, even a little bit more, he was terrible that day. It, yeah, he was terrible that game. If he was able to do anything, I mean, gosh, that I mean, that's probably LSU's only loss on the year, right? That's another one though, where though where LSU's defense just went to sleep at the end, and I mean, that game should have been twenty three thirteen. You know, and the only reason it was twenty three, it should have been twenty three thirteen, is because Stingley muffed that punt. Well, and you got to remember they stalled out in the red zone a lot, right? Field goal. So I guess right. it could have been, should have been like forty something. To yeah, 13, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Right. Well, well, hope, well, the good thing about it, fans are listening, Billy. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see if what ifs and buts we're talking about on on Tuesday uh, or or that's right, hundred you know, percent. Late late night Monday, if if there are any uh, for LSU or, or for Clemson that that can change this one, you never know because. Uh, We've got a Pac-12 officiating crew on Monday night in uh, New Orleans, so that'll be something to watch as well. We'll see if they can redeem themselves. We're all done uh, talking about the game, ready for it to kick off. Hope you guys are. Know you guys are as well. Uh, So keep it locked on Go 24-7 for all of our coverage. We're in New Orleans. We're pumped, excited, excited for all you guys that listen to this. We know, uh, obviously, how much it means to you guys. We appreciate you guys listening to the pod, being on Go 24-7, and don't forget, take advantage of that dollar for a uh, two months deal that we've got. So for just a buck, you can get two months of go 24 seven VIP subscription, uh, all uh, included there for you. So don't forget about that. It runs through the national championship game. So jump on that before the clock hits zero on what uh, could very well be another national championship for LSU. We'll be there to cover it. Thanks for listening to the pod. Hope everybody stays safe, enjoys the game. And uh, if, the, if the Tigers do, take this one home if the lsu tigers do take this one home celebrate accordingly but safe as well thanks for listening to the pod guys and uh, we'll catch you next time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bow. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 